It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how, and on today's show, that means we have to discuss the what, why, and how of the Packers' new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And let's start where I think most fans are going to want to start, and that is with the why. I think that's that's obvious because you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars offense and the, and the Buffalo Bills offense before that, and you go, well, they, they weren't really that special. And that's true. They weren't. But I think you have to look at contacts. This is very much like the conversations we had about Matt LaFleur at Tennessee and what he had to work with there and what the realities of that situation dictate us uh, in terms of the observations and, and really the data that we can gather from what happened last season and before that. But let's start with what happened in 2018 because there are useful lessons to be learned here when it comes to, to what we can figure out about what Nathaniel Hackett is going to be for the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur is not a high-energy, rah-rah, you know, in-your-face kind of guy. Nathaniel Hackett is not, you know, by any means this, like, you know, huge, charismatic, swaggering dude, but he is high-energy, he is passionate, and, you know, he he is probably going to drop more than one curse word on live air during the course of interviews uh, over the course of his career in Green Bay. That's just the kind of coach that he is. He cares deeply about this. But having that sort of diversity of style is also potentially beneficial for the Packers because you don't want to wear your players down. You want to be able to motivate them and, and find those ways to get the maximum out of them. And for some players, that's going to be a more intellectual approach. It's going to be a more cerebral approach, and you're going to have to stimulate them that way. For others, they're going to need a little bit more energy, a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more verve. I think every great team 
has a certain amount of just natural verve about them, with the exception of the Patriots. They play a different kind of way, and, and they're, they're an outlier. I don't think any team really should be trying to recreate the lessons that are, are being taught by the Patriots because most teams just, they can't do it. They don't have Belichick. They don't have McDaniels. They don't have Brady. They don't have the infrastructure there to make it work. And so you need that energy. And when you cheer for a team that has that energy, you can tell. And that doesn't mean that they're celebrating after every play, and it doesn't mean that they're celebrating after every touchdown, and it doesn't mean that they're going out to dinner after every game. It can be something as simple as you just, it just seems like everyone is engaged at all times, that it means something to all 53 guys on the roster at once. And when you have a diversity of leadership styles, it's almost like what happens in a good cop, bad cop situation. And not that one is a disciplinarian and one is, you know, easy. I don't think that's at all the case. But I think when you when you have a diversity of styles, you're never going to feel too worn out one way or the other. There's never going to be you lose two games in a row and don't play well and all your coaches are easygoing, laid back, and what you really need is someone to light a fire under your ass. They don't lack that guy now. And that was probably never going to be the case on defense because Mike Patton preaches accountability. He's officially back, uh, and, and I think that's really important here. But you're also never going to have too much of the high energy where it's just like, dude, it's November. We've been at this for 12 weeks. We understand. You know, there's there's a little bit of that balance, and that balance is really, really important on a coaching staff. And that, I think, can, can pay dividends in a way that we, we can't quantify. And it matters in a way that we don't normally take into account when we analyze these sorts of moves in a vacuum because they don't exist in a vacuum. Matt LaFleur's relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, we don't know what that is. We, we know he liked Hackett from you know the word go even before he got turned down with, with what happened with Shanahan. And, and his guys and, and who LaFleur wanted to bring in there. But I think there's a case to be made. This is somewhat of a blessing in disguise for Matt LaFleur because he's going to have someone come in who has experience calling plays. Hackett has been calling plays for much longer than LaFleur has been calling plays. And, you know, if, if everyone understands what the dynamic of that relationship is, then that's not a problem. And I don't think we have any reason to believe it's a problem at this point. I don't think Hackett's going to come in and feel like he is owed something. He's still a young coach looking to prove something. And when you add on top of that the kind of quarterbacks that he's had to coach over the course of his career, in the NFL especially, Thad Lewis, E.J. Manuel, Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler, these are non-NFL players. And so for him to go from those guys to Aaron Rodgers – I mean, he's just going to he's going to go to bed every night thanking his lucky stars that Matt LaFleur ha- was rebuffed by San Francisco in, in trying to get Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur because he's going to come into this situation with Aaron Rodgers and, and he is going to be like a kid in a candy store. And, and one of his former coaches described it this way to Michael Cohen. He said, the more guys can do, the more Nathaniel is going to come up with. So it's basically the the more ability you have, 
the more opportunities Hackett has to build something that works for you. And when all you have to to work with is Blake Bortles, you have a pretty limited ceiling to what it is you can do, even as creative as you want to be. And and all of that creative knowledge that you're going to bring to bear on trying to build an offense for Blake Bortles, you have a defined ceiling with what that's going to look like. With Aaron Rodgers, there is no defined ceiling. That makes this opportunity for him particularly tantalizing, I think. But but more than that, he is going to be, you know, chomping at the bit to get ready for this opportunity. He's going to come in with a lot of ideas. And I think that's what, what really you have to be excited about if you're a Packers fan here because Matt LaFleur is going to be primed to come in here and prove something. I mean, we heard he had a whole audiovisual presentation ready to give the Packers that they didn't even get to. They didn't even have to get to it. He gave Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst uh, and Russ Ball iPads with a whole thing that they were going to do. He was as prepared as you could be. That preparedness was something that that Mark Murphy talked about. He's going to be ready when the time comes for this season, and you have to think Hackett has has a whole slew of ideas that he has percolating in his brain that he just knew he could never run because the Jaguars just didn't have the personnel to run it. And, and that is where we get to, this is a long meandering way to get back to what happened last year. <laughs> but I think this is all important context. And, and that's why we're, we're bringing it in here. But when you look at last year, and, and he was fired in Jacksonville, and so I, I totally understand the hesitancy of a fan to say, hey, I'm all in on this hire for a guy who came from a, a terrible situation with a bad offense that he was fired in. But go back and look at what actually happened there. And you will see that it wasn't Nathaniel Hackett's problems with his offense. And, and in fact, there is significant evidence to suggest that the opposite is true that this offense was significantly worse once Hackett left. In fact, we have evidence of that. In the final five games of the year, the Jaguars, without Nathaniel Hackett, scored three touchdowns. One was a return touchdown. One was a pick six. Just, Just let that sink in. Let that wash over you as you think about, oh, this guy from Jacksonville, what could he possibly tell Aaron Rodgers? Before Hackett was fired, they were averaging just under 18 points a game. After he was fired, they averaged under 10 points a game. That means his contributions to this team were worth eight points a game. That is a pretty big difference. And let's take this back another year. Let's go back to 2017 when the, when the Jaguars were uh, a whisker away from the Super Bowl. Without Allen Robinson, who was their best receiver, and with no other receiver starting 16 games, the Jaguars finished fifth in the league in scoring. So it was basically Blake Bortles, Marquise Lee for 14 games, two rookie receivers, and a rookie running back. And they were the fifth highest scoring team in football. That is remarkable. And so this is why just pure stats alone 
you know, in 2018 are not going to tell the whole story. And, and I totally understand if you want to look at this and make the case, oh, well, the, the defense in 2017 was the big reason that offense was so effective. And that is true to a point. The defense scored seven touchdowns in 2017. Seven. Seven. That is a huge number. But even if we took all those points away, and, and that, would, that would make them a below-average defense and special teams, because even just an average defense and special teams unit is going to get you a score or two over the course of the season. But let's take all of those touchdowns away defensively. They would still be the 11th best scoring offense in football. And, and sure, they benefited from some short fields, and they benefited from teams having to deal with that that suffocating defense and the turnovers that that created. Yeah, all of those things are true. But go back to what I said about the players that were on the field. Not a great offensive line. A demonstrably and objectively horrible quarterback. No skill position players to speak of. A running back who became so problematic in that locker room that they basically said, all your guaranteed money, we're voiding. I mean, Leonard Fournette is a talented running back, but he is, he is not Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott. He had a really good rookie season. But a lot of what they were able to do came through the air with Blake Bortles making plays. They had a lead in the AFC Championship game because of what Blake Bortles was doing and because of what Nathaniel Hackett had put together in the game plan. This is a solid hire for the Packers. I understand it's not Todd Monken, and and that's disappointing. And there are a lot of fans that are going to say, is this really the best they could have done? And to that I would say, let's give this guy an opportunity with real NFL players to prove he either does or doesn't have what it takes. The Packers are taking a risk here. But this was a preferred candidate from Matt LaFleur. This was a guy he sought out, that he wanted to be a part of this coaching staff. And I think that has real value. And and what this also does is it sets up the potential for what we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, and that is John DeFilippo could still come in and have an elevated role in this offense as a quarterback's coach. You have him be the passing game coordinator, some sort of elevated role that isn't, you know, isn't quite quarterback's coach, which is what he was in Philly. You give him, you know, something a little bit more that isn't quite offensive coordinator. And he might come in and say, this is exactly the kind of opportunity I want. This is exactly the kind of swing I want to take within this organization with this quarterback at this moment in time. And hey, guess what? We get to play the Vikings twice a year, and I would love to kick their ass. Why wouldn't a coach like John DeFilippo want to be part of something like that? And from a diversity of philosophy standpoint, we're back to that point. Having a diverse philosophy on your coaching staff, a diverse background, a diverse football history, all of that has significant benefits in the way offense is implemented, in the way offense is designed, and the way that it's called. So while I don't think this is as as much of a, I don't want to say a home run, because I don't know that Matt LaFleur is, is what you would normally consider a home run, I think there are, there are much better reasons 
to believe that the Matt LaFleur hire is a really good one than there are to believe the Nathaniel Hackett hire is a really good one. But I do think there is a lot of upside here. And I think there are a lot of reasons to believe it can work from balance to philosophy and and all of the reasons that we've pointed to. This can work for the Green Bay Packers in 2019 and beyond. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better this is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. There was some additional reporting out there around the, the, the Packers coaching hire and, and some interesting things came up that I think are worth discussing here. Uh, Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated talked to Brian Gutekunst about the Matt LaFleur hire and said that he had been on the radar, LaFleur had, had been on his radar since back when he was a scout and, and those days and, and going back to his time in Atlanta, he was someone that Brian Gutekunst had always noticed. And in the interview, and this was this was the case that I tried to make. You say, well, you know, why how, why this guy? Why was he so impressive in the interview if he was not super impressive in front of the media? Gudikin said that when he talked to Matt Lafleur, he felt like this was a guy who had a compatible view of where this team could go, where it was going, and what the best way was to move it forward. He said he felt like they could work together. That sort of relationship is crucial because Brian Gutekunst is young. He's going to be the GM for the foreseeable future. Matt LaFleur is young. And if he's successful early on, he's going to be the coach for the foreseeable future, certainly for the, for the first three or four years. The Packers are going to give this the old college try. The point about being able to work together is one that I, I really think does not get enough attention when we look at you know, should they have hired Josh McDaniels or not? 
almost all of the red flags were interpersonal. They were attitude. Can he, can he build a team? Can he lead a team? Can he work collaboratively with others? Does he play nice with others? Those kinds of questions we don't have with Matt LaFleur. We know that he can be collaborative because he's done it with some of the smartest and most impressive coaches in the league. So we don't have those question marks with him. The fact that Brian Gutekinds right away recognized this is a guy who thinks about the game in the way that I do and sees this team the way that I do means that moving forward, they should be able to laser up their focus and really have a vision for this team that matches, allowing them to be on the same page when it comes to personnel evaluation, when it comes to free agents to sign, when it comes to players to draft, when it comes to players to cut, players to trade. That sort of simpatico relationship can be vital and and can maintain a relationship and a franchise over a number of years. And, and I want to dovetail this with a quote that LaFleur gave Peter King, formerly of SI, but now of, of NBC Sports. He, he told Peter that the RG3 experience, remember LaFleur was the quarterback's coach for that Washington team. He said that experience was instructive because they had to take a player and fit the scheme to him. You couldn't run the Mike Shanahan offense with RG3. And they shouldn't try. And they didn't try. What they did instead was adapt Baylor concepts and that that was important. He learned how important it was to take the skills of a player and adapt your calls and your offense to him. He also went on to say that he could hear the passion of Aaron Rodgers in in his voice in their conversation that Rodgers told him he wanted to be coached and coached hard. This is important on its own, but these are also related points. If Aaron Rodgers wants to be coached and coached hard, then Matt LaFleur should not be afraid to to call the best plays that he thinks he can call and, and to design the best offense that he thinks he can design. But that also means that he could look at Aaron Rodgers and what this offense does well already and say, I'm going to borrow. I'm going to take some of this stuff because Aaron Rodgers is already really good at it. And if I want him to be comfortable right away, Why not take some of these elements that he's already good at, that he's already comfortable with, and implement them moving forward? Isn't what I just described exactly what he did with RG3? And and isn't it exactly what we want coaches to do all the time with rookies? We always hear about making the life of a quarterback easier. Can we make his life easier? Maybe yes, maybe no, but... The point is, you want to make the quarterback's life easier. And I, I've always found it bizarre. And longtime listeners and longtime followers of me are going to know uh, this, is, this is a long-time puzzling proposition for me. This idea that we shouldn't make life easier for all of our quarterbacks. In every team, every situation, make life easy. That doesn't mean defined reads. That doesn't mean you have to simplify everything. Simple does not necessarily mean easy, and easy doesn't necessarily mean simple. But give your quarterback the best opportunity to succeed. And that's what Green Bay simply hasn't done enough of. They just haven't given Aaron Rodgers enough opportunities 
to succeed, whether it's through personnel, whether it's through play calling, play design, and and all of that is going to have to change. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. With the two major coordinators now in play, uh, Mike Patton and Nathaniel Hackett, th- this is this is the bones of the staff. There's still a special teams coach uh, that, that needs to be hired, and I think the quarterback and offensive line coaches are also going to have to be very important hires here. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that, that Matt LaFleur put more pressure on himself when he got rid of James Campen, who's a very good coach and a very respected coach. And, uh, you know, the, the linebackers coach looks like he's on his way out. We already know Joe Witt is out. It's, it has been reported that that was not Mike Patton's choice. Now, whether or not he's happy about it, we don't know. But it was reportedly not his decision to make. The Packers clearly want to make a clean break from most of the, the longtime McCarthy-era hires. One of the reasons the defensive line coach Montgomery is, is staying I think is because he doesn't have a long track record with McCarthy. He was not, you know, someone that had been there for a decade plus. Joe Witt predated Dom Capers on the Packers staff. So, you know, I think there was an intuitive notion there to say, okay, you've been here too long and we need to start fresh if you're the Packers. That is, that is, I'm sure how they felt. And Mike Patton has been in this league long enough that he probably has some guys in mind. He has some people that he can bring in opportunities for for more coaches to come in and and work with what is, I think, a talented secondary group. The Packers are going to have to bring in some talent on defense. They're going to have to bring in some talent on offense. And they're going to have to get the right coaches, the right teachers, because that is is what's going to be so key here. They found the right temperament, I think. You know, the accountability on defense, that was huge last year in the offseason. You're going to have energy from Hackett. You're going to have the more cerebral approach from LaFleur. And that's a really good balance for a coaching staff. Offense, defense, if they can find the right special teams coach, then I feel like you have to be really feeling good about where this coaching staff is going into 2019, despite you know the reservations about Hackett. I get them. I understand. I understand the criticisms. This was the best guy you could find. If they bring in Filippo. This is, you don't worry about it. You just don't worry about it because this is going to be a really strong offensive coaching staff. And I've, I've got some of my, my followers really hyped on this idea. And, and I'm sorry for the potential letdown that you're going to feel if this doesn't happen. But 
Uh, you know, I, I just I, I can't stress enough that I think it would be a good hire for them and a potential good opportunity for both sides uh, to push this offense forward. If you missed Make a Friend Monday, how about Tell a Friend Tuesday? I didn't I didn't hear from nearly enough people who said they made a friend and they told someone about Locked on Packers. If you did, let me know that you did that. Hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Remember, like us on Facebook. Not enough comments on the Facebook group. Come on, guys. Let's do this. I know Facebook is a little bit scary, but but Packer fans aren't. The Packers community, the Locked on Packers group, we can do this. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. Still true. And still cool. Really, it is. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Crossover Wednesday. We're going to do it on Wednesday, even a rare off-season crossover edition with Jeff Lloyd to talk about what's going on in Cleveland. A lot of the overlap in the coaching hiring process with them. Todd Monken, Mike McCarthy, James Campen, all of those former Packers guys in the front office over there. I think this is going to be a really fun, interesting discussion. So look forward to that. And then Thursday, it's going to be a question. So, so send me those questions. Locked on Packers fan hotline. I just gave you the number 920-341-3775 to always stay locked on Packers. Packers.